Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of design, building, and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. Today, my co-host is Seth Heckeman. How are you today, Seth? Doing well. How are you doing? I am doing very well. Kind of an interesting story, though. Um, my family bought a new dog. I don't think I told you that yet. You hadn't, no. Yeah, we bought a new dog, and we bought it from a blacksmith. There are not many blacksmiths around anymore, but uh, there there is one around us, and he had a dog, and he said, I just can't take care of it anymore, and so we bought an older dog from a blacksmith. It's been great. The only problem is, as soon as we got him home, he made a bolt for the door. Hey, I I will share one other thing. I've been working on an invention recently, um, and I, and, I, and so so my invention is going to be a thought activated air freshener. Interesting. Really, it, it makes sense when you think about it. <laughs> okay, those, those weren't your best, but those weren't your worst. I'd, I'd give those a seven <laughs> out of ten on the dad joke scale. So that's, that was pretty solid. Far. Yeah. <laughs> not my best, not my worst. That's the story of my life. Okay, let's drive forward. And we got an exciting question we are digging into today. We are digging into how sales organizations can use today's latest speech analytics technology, as well as machine learning and AI to dramatically increase the morale and performance of their sales teams, as well as the overall success of their organizations. Uh, today's guest is Sebastian Jimenez, um, founder of Rilla Voice, um, one of the fastest growing startups in the world right now. Um, Seth and I both met Sebastian in person at the 2023 Metal Roofing Summit, and we were both immediately taken by his enthusiasm and the way that Rilla Voice technology is really disrupting our industry, and we think it's going to lead to great things um, in the future as well. So, uh, Sebastian, welcome to Construction Disruption. Um, we're pleased. I know you got a very busy schedule. Um, we're pleased you're taking some time to visit with us today and looking forward to a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Todd. Thank you for having me on, Seth. Super excited to be here. Well, good. Well, let's go forward with a couple questions. So the way I look at it, Rilla Voice and you um, are really kind of taking the home improvement and in-home sales industry by storm right now. Mm -hmm. um, you were in a high school program at Yale University. You graduated in quantitative economics from New York University. Um, so before we dig into what Rilla Voice is all about, um, Tell us a little bit, where in the world did you come from? What what brought you, what caused you to start this company? So, great question. I am from the Dominican Republic, right? So, uh, the short answer to the question is I have a bunch of, like, you know, pirate to the Caribbean genes inside of me. So, I think that there's, like, some inner, like, DNA, like, looking for, like, uh, booty and gold uh, <laughs> all, all over the world. And so, yeah, I, I grew up, I was born and raised in the Dominican Republic. I come from a long line of pineapple farmers. And um, I came to America uh, for college. Uh, I actually finished my high school here, but then I came for, here for college. Uh, I went to NYU, like you said. 
And when you go to NYU, there's an existential question that's like haunting you every day, which is like, should you go to class or should you go to Urban Outfitters uh, and, and just walk around <laughs> in New York City? I chose a third option, which was uh, to skip all my classes to go and do stand-up comedy in, uh, in, in very crappy bars in Lower East Side with, uh, with not the best of people. Let me tell you that. Imagine the kind of degenerates that go to a stand-up comedy show on a Wednesday at 3.30 p.m. Uh, in the afternoon. <laughs> people that were laid off and, you know, it's just like broken homes and that kind of stuff. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what I was doing in college, just doing stand-up comedy. And the re that's the reason I got into tech, right? Uh, and, and to me, it makes all the sense in the world, but people are like, stand-up comedy technology, what the hell are you talking about? And the reason it makes sense to me, like, so, so I went to business school technically, but I didn't learn anything about what I know about business in business school. I learned it from stand-up comedy, right? Because Partly because I didn't go to class. But the, the, the main thing I learned in stand-up comedy is the only art form where you have to like literally go out there in front of people to practice. Just even to practice, you have to practice in front of an audience. It's not like what you can paint in your room and, you know, and, and write in your room and, 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 you know, and, and do any or other kind of art form in your room. In stand-up, you, you, you can't, even if you're a psychopath, like talking to yourself in the mirror. Like, it's like, how's it going, guys? And you're like roommates calling the police. Being like this guy's insane. Um, you can't you can't do it even if you're like insane because you need the crowd to laugh or not to laugh to know if the joke is going in the right direction. And and so you you get this you you learn this concept which is that true learning doesn't happen in your head. It happens out there in the world and it's waiting to be discovered and found out. And that's the main thing I learned from stand-up, that you have to learn through trial and error and like really launching fast. And I had an internship with this Forbes author where we interviewed the founders of uh, Coursera, Etsy, uh, Zola, people like in New York City that were really good tech founders and how they described how they built their companies and their products to me, their creative process was very similar to what I was doing in stand-up. You have an idea, even if it's in the right general direction, it's going to be wrong on so many different like thousand little ways, right? That you you can't you can't even predict until you actually put it in front of people and you get that real life feedback from the real world and then and that's when you actually start the building process of actually crafting something amazing and something great and so uh, I, that's how I got into technology I said that's very similar to what I'm doing in stand up I want to scratch that edge of like building something amazing getting feedback from people and I started my first tech company out of college it was a field marketing uh, management software. Uh, that, you know, companies like Molson Coors, Get Around, Heineken, uh, you know, Red Bull, they would use for their field marketing events, uh, field marketing for the home improvement industry. You guys, uh, you know, you, you do the home shows, right? And you do the uh, the Costco, uh, the, the booths at the Costco, right? Uh, so consumer brands do this as well, but not necessarily to get leads, but to increase brand awareness for their products, right? And so, you know, imagine like the Red Bull kids that put the uniforms, they go up to college campus, they give you Red Bull, you get too excited, and you drink the Red Bull, and you're like, oh, this is great, Red Bull, yeah. And they would use our software to manage all of that. And just fast forward, I basically realized that all these consumer brands and many companies in the world, uh, from field marketing, they were having like millions and millions of interactions face-to-face -face with consumers every single month, right? And I realized that the interactions that they were having, real-life interactions with real consumers, was more data than they were capturing from social media, right? So like a brand like Heineken, they had like 4 million face-to-face -face interactions between their consumers and their field marketing brand ambassadors every single month. And they had like 500,000 points of engagement from all their social media combined in a month in the United States. So YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, everything, every interaction, every click, every like, every comment, every mention of their brand was 10 times less data than what they were getting from like real life interactions, uh, you know, face-to-face -face and field marketing. 
And I said, what if we could take these 4 million interactions, process them, analyze them, give Heineken a dashboard about their consumer sentiment, their product sentiment, everything about what their consumers think or not think about their brand, similar to what they have in social media. It's just like 10 times more data with real people. What, and then I started thinking that's only Heineken. What about Molson? What about Pepsi-Cola? What about if you get out of field marketing into field sales? How many conversations in retail? And I figured out that there was 10 billion face-to-face -face conversations in a commercial capacity between consumers and sales and service and marketing people every single month. And I said, what if we could take all those conversations and make the offline world, the commercial world, as searchable and easy to analyze and understand as Google did for the web? And that was the origin of Rilla right? Uh, to, to take face-to-face -face conversations, process them, analyze them, and make them valuable for businesses, for their sales, their marketing, for everything. And, uh, and that was then. And really what it is now is, you know, we're the leading speech analytics offer for the home improvement industry where people talk to homeowners in the home, record their conversations. Uh, you know, we transcribe, analyze them, and give them feedback with AI to help them uh, improve their sales. Uh, but the origin was, how do we make the offline world as searchable as Google did for the web? Yeah. Very cool. Incredible idea and incredible how you've uh, seen it through to fruition. So, yeah. So, Sebastian, now I'm embarrassed. I start with these dad jokes and I find out that you like did professional stand up and <laughs> yeah. you know, pineapple farmers. Do you like pineapples? I have to ask you. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> I, my birthday was uh, it was my birthday recently in my office. They got me like a mango pineapple coconut cake. And I was like, this is, I think somebody should get canceled for this but i like the cake but that's okay you know, <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know if i should like start a hashtag against this but it's it's okay it's like the, the cake was good <laughs> Mango man next time i'm in the city i need to find that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so i, I want to tease this out a little bit before you know more before we do sort of the big reveal over exactly what your technology brings to our industry. Um, but when you started looking at the home improvement industry, um, you know, did you see sort of a big void bat there that was kind of hindering growth and success of individual salespeople and organizations? And, you know, if so, I mean, what, what was that that you saw out there? So one of the things we saw, uh, uh, not only with home improvement, but kind of any industry that has an outside sales component, what the the big problem that we saw is that in like in order to train and manage and kind of ramp up your salespeople, there's only one way to do it uh, traditionally, which is having a sales manager go out and do ride-alongs for ongoing coaching and training. So the typical thing is, you know, my sales rep's not doing well and they're kind of slumping, and then I try to figure out why. If I want to figure out why. That I need to go on a ride along, just take notes, see the sales rep selling, and I have to go back and kind of give them feedback. And so that's a problem, you know, and that's really time consuming. If you take the average sales manager, they're going to be spending about 40 hours a month doing uh, ride alongs, right? Only to see about 2% of the totality of the conversations that their teams are having. So you take the typical sales manager, they manage like eight salespeople, right? The eight salespeople are doing like two appointments a day, five days a week four weeks out of a month, that's like 400 appointments, if I'm not mistaken. And so the sales manager in the 40 hours that they're doing every single month of ride-alongs, they're able to see eight out of the 400 uh, mm -hmm. uh, meetings that their reps are having, right? So it's really time consuming and it's not yielding a lot of, you know, 
visibility and return, which is why it's really, really difficult to train and ramp up salespeople, uh, you know, which is the reason why we have the 80-20 rule, which is like you have really good top performers that are bringing in the bulk of the revenue when they're like at a, a level on their own. And then everybody else who's not as naturally talented, they're kind of struggling and you get a lot of churn, you get a lot of people are trying to get sales and they don't work out. A lot of this is because of the lack of coaching because we're, we're only getting 2% visibility as to what's going on in, in the field. And the kind of the, the way that we can the, the way that we explain this to people, it's like imagine if you had a sports team that, you know, like take the Chicago Bulls with Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan. Imagine uh, Phil Jackson was able to coach the players in the dressing room and track results and see if they're winning and losing games. So he was not allowed to be on the field to see his players playing. Right. And he wasn't allowed to watch the game film and like watch the games on TV like he can't actually see what his players are doing on the field. That's the problem that we have today. And anybody who's doing outside sales for home improvement in particular. What we realize is that this is not just a problem, but it's one of the most fundamental problems, especially now as, as leads are getting like, you know, more expensive. It's getting harder to close deals because, you know, we're coming off of this COVID high where, you know, it was like a gold rush for the suburbs. Right. You know, everybody's just like raking in the orders and now, you know, interest rates are coming up and people are, you know, it's harder to to convince them to depart with their money. And so sales coaching and training has really become a bottleneck right now because you know it was easy for the last two three years to like kind of get sales when you could get by with like you know kind of average sales reps now you need to your sales reps to be really really good and so uh for home improvement we saw that at this particular moment in time it wasn't just a problem of coaching it was like one of the most important problems that they had uh because you can't do anything about the leads getting more expensive but you sure can uh, make sure that your reps can either close more deals or, or increase their average tickets, right? And, and those are the only two levers as a, as a home improvement company that you can pull right now to increase your profitability and your growth. So, um, yeah. Awesome. So let's do the big reveal. Tell us what Real, Real Voice does. Um, I, I haven't wanted to spoil it for our listeners, but uh, let's do it. Tell us what, what you let's do. do it. So Rilla is the leading speech analytics software in the home improvement industry. So you, think, you, you take a, a sales rep that you know, sells metal roofs, right? They go into someone's home. And they do their presentation. They talk, uh, you know, they, 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 they do some report with the customer. They, they do their company story. They handle objections. They talk about pricing and financing. Uh, they're going to be recording those conversations with the Rilla Voice mobile app from their phones or tablets. And then we're going to be using AI to automatically transcribe, analyze, and give them feedback to help them improve their sales. Uh, uh, and to help their sales managers do what we call virtual ride-alongs that are 100 times faster, better, and cheaper than the traditional physical ride-alongs uh, that they did before. Um, so that's that's basically what Rilla is. That's fantastic. So so I assume they don't have an earpiece that's telling them real-time, hey, dummy, don't say that. No, uh, no. What does this really look like as far as how they utilize it and, and how their sales manager interacts with them? Yeah, great question. So it's not an earpiece. It's not <laughs> annoying the salesperson in real time uh, uh, yet. <laughs> so uh, what, what happens is they do their conversation. They stop the recording after the fact. Then the tool, they can go back and review their conversation. And it's not just a conversation. We've actually seen that our salespeople don't call it a conversation or a recording. They call it a Rilla. They're like, let me see my Rilla. It's weird. Wow. We, we didn't intend for that to happen. They say Rilla. So you know, uh, uh, people say, like, if your company can become a verb, that's amazing. That's like a legendary company like Uber, Google, right? But, you know, at least we became a noun. So, she's <laughs> 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 still waiting for the verb. But, uh, so, they call it a Rilla. And what a Rilla is, 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 a, is a conversation 
but but that gives you an analysis of what happened in that conversation and actual feedback about what you did right and what you could have done better. Um, and the way it gives you these feedback, right? It uh, Rilla analyzes how you talk, right? How you talk is, you know, how much do you talk versus the customer, your talk ratio? How much do you interact with the customer? How much back and forth there is? How many open-ended questions are you asking? What's your tone of voice? Um, what What's your talk speed? It analyzes how you talk, and then it compares the way you talk to the top performers in your team, right? So imagine you have a top performer who's closing three, five million dollars in revenue and you're closing less than one. You want to understand what it is that that person's doing differently than you are, right? So that you can improve. So it analyzes how you talk, compares you to the top performers, and it does the same thing for what you say literally. So Rilla, uh, we have, um, we basically use GPT-4, which is the algorithm that's behind GPT-Chat um, uh, to basically use natural language processing to understand what's being talked about in that conversation. After we get the transcription, we understand literally what is being talked about. So Rilla will basically give you feedback like, hey, we noticed that you're talking about pricing for like 25 minutes on average in a conversation when the top performers are only talking about pricing for 15 minutes. So you should lower the amount of time that you spend talking about pricing. Here's an example of how the top performer does it. And Rilla will actually feed you automated content so that you can review game film from the top performers in your team. So, so it's like a really good tool for you as a sales rep to coach yourself in your own time and then go back with your sales manager to review the game film and see what you could have done better. So what's the reaction been? I mean, you serve a lot of audiences. You've got business owners, you've got sales managers, you've got yeah. sales, you even have the end consumer. Yeah. Um, you know, what's been the reaction from those different audiences uh, as they start to utilize Rilla voice and, and listen to their, pay attention to their Rillas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the owners absolutely love it. I mean, we, we, as soon as they hear about it, they are like, oh my God, this is the next best thing. We recently had uh, one of our good customers, large, large uh, a home remodeling company. Uh, uh, he's an amazing, amazing human being. Uh, he's been in the industry for like, you know, decades. And he said something along the lines of, you know, uh, for 40 years, we've been in this business and we've changed everything. We've changed the, you know, the products that we sell. We've, we've changed our technology for the call center. We changed our sales process our marketing process. We've changed how we've had to like get leads because of, you know, Google and all these things, right? And SEO. Um, the only thing that hasn't changed in the last 40 years is the way we coach and train our salespeople. That's the only thing that hasn't changed. And, and so owners see this as like an opportunity to change the, you know, kind of like the last, the, the last bastion of, 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 of manual processes that they have in their businesses, which is how we coach our sales reps with the ride along. So they get it immediately. They get the vision. Sales managers absolutely adore it. They're, they're like, we, we have, uh, I tell the story of, of this guy, Chad from the Stormguard roofing company. He, uh, they sell roofing uh, products, uh, uh, you know, all over the country. And I asked Chad, how did it go your first week of using Rilla? And he said, man, listen, this, in my 10 years of sales, I've never saved so much time. And I said, why? And he said, last week it took me, you know, I went out with one rep and did, you know, two ride-alongs with them. Uh, today with Rilla, I was able to manage all my five reps. Uh, you know, and I said, oh my God, it's a five times improvement. And he said, no, last week it took me about six hours to coach this one rep. Today with Rilla, I was able to see all the analytics, do all the ride-alongs with all my five reps in less than 50 minutes. So we're talking, you know, 30 to 50 times the productivity for your sales manager, who's now a bionic super coach that can coach remotely. And it opens up so many possibilities for the sales manager. And then the sales rep, right? The final, the final uh, audience here is the sales rep. The sales reps absolutely hate it at the beginning, 
at the beginning when they when they get presented, they're like, "What the hell is this? Oh, you're gonna be recording me? <laughs> you're gonna be reviewing what I'm saying? What the hell is wrong with you?" And this is Big Brother. They absolutely hate it at the beginning, and then uh, what happens? And actually, what we've seen is top performers hate it more than other people. Psychologically, they just absolutely hate it. So 20% mm -hmm. of your top performers are going to absolutely hate it. The product is designed in such a way that it kind of takes their secret sauce and shares it with everybody else so I can see sure. why they don't like it as much. And then average reps are a little bit concerned. And the people who embrace it the fastest are the, uh, the, the low performers or the people who are newer to sales because they kind of need the help. They want to kind of, they want to improve, right? And they need the help. And then what we see is for, it's, it's a weird thing. After they record five conversations, the fear goes away almost like completely. It just becomes like a habit. And, um, and, and it's a thing in psychology called the Hawthorne effect. When you know you're being reviewed, your, your senses are really heightened and you're really concerned. You're really aware that you're being reviewed. But then the effect kind of like dies down after a few hours that you know that you're being reviewed. And so psychologically, they lose the fear in the first week. And then we literally have clips of like people saying like, this is awful. You know what I mean? And then six weeks later, it's like, oh my God, I'm making 30% more sales. I'm doing great. I'm making so much money. So, so the sales reps, they start, it's like a journey, right? It's like, oh my God, I'm going to be recorded. What the hell? Okay. Now I'm fine with it. And then, oh my God, this is one of the best tools I've ever used. So, um, yeah. You know, that's just incredible. The amount of information that allows everyone to pull together but it's uh, something you shared at the summit that I want to make sure we touch on. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just the data on, you know, what words to say, when to say them, you know, what questions to ask, but, you know, taking a, that next step and allowing sales managers and owners to, you know, evaluate their whole, their process as a whole on the bigger picture. Um, tell us what you found out uh, when reviewing the data on the placement of company story in relation to the price mm. proposal. That was a game changer for me. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, Seth, thank you. That's an amazing question. So, uh, one of the things that we're able to do with Rilla um, is that, you know, our AI you know, language model understands, you know, what's being talked about. And it understands topics like, you know, the company story and, and like when people are talking about financing terms and when people are talking about, you know, pricing and, and, and all these other topics, right? And one of the things we can see is uh, not only what is being talked about, but how long and when in the conversation is it happening. And so we recently did an analysis of 500,000 sales conversations in home with customers. We anonymized the data. We aggregated it. We looked at what the top performers in the industry, like across industries, actually, all across the country that bring in three, five million dollars in revenue, the absolute top one percent of people. What is it that they're doing differently in the home? And one of the very counterintuitive things that we found out is that typically the average reps, right? They say their company story like between minute 30 and minute 45 of the conversation of a two hour meeting, right? So they first do their discovery, their inspection, then they, t then they start their presentation. And their presentation typically starts with something like, you know, here, I'm just going to give you a little presentation on our company and who we are. You know, you need to be really careful with who you do business with in this industry because you want to make sure that if you're going to let somebody into your home, they have insurance, that they have all these things, they're credited. And then they go on to their company story. Our company, we've been around for, you know, uh, we've been around since 1776. George Washington was my <laughs> grandpa. And, uh, and we're like, like you know, and, and, and our roofs are, are made from American soil and, 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 you know, and George Washington's tears. And so and that's a company story, right? And, and they do that a minute 30, 45. Top performers, right, which was counterintuitive, they don't do the company story on average at, at the beginning of the conversation, minute 30, minute 45. They actually do the company story on average um, at an hour and 45 minutes, right? 
So later in the conversation, after they have talked about financial terms, financial terms meaning how are you going to pay for this? Is there some sort of financing involved? You need to pay up front. You need to pay like half and half. Like after they've talked about pricing and financing terms, that's when they're talking about the company story, which is very weird because that's not how salespeople get trained, right? And so they're doing something different than, than what their training suggests, right? And what we saw, we were like, okay, what's happening there? What we saw was that the top performers, right? They go into, they go in, they go, they do their discovery. They ask a lot of open-ended questions. What brought you into our home? Blah, 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 blah. And then they say the same thing. They say something like, you know, you need to be really careful with who you do business with at the beginning of the conversation. Um, if you're going to let somebody in your home, it needs to be insured. You get a lot of complaints in this industry. And, and then they stop there and they don't say the company story. They don't say anything. They just, they just keep going. Let me show you the product. Let me show you a demo. They keep going. Then the price question comes up, and that's when the real selling begins, right? How much is it? Uh, you know, rep gives a price. Homeowner says, oh, my God, that's so expensive. $25,000 for a roof. What the hell? <laughs> and, then, uh, and then the top performers, they don't start dealing with the objection. They go, what do you, okay, what about the price seems too high for you? And the homeowner starts talking and be like, well, I got somebody else who came in last Saturday, and they quoted me at $10,000, less than half of what you're telling me. Oh, my God, Okay. And who is this person that we're talking like, oh, can you tell me a little bit more about that quote? Like what, what kinds of products we're working with, what kind of company it is? And they start talking and talking and talking. And I was like, okay, so you're working with a local kind of like uh, Jimmy Bob, who's like your friend of the family. And okay, I got it. So as I mentioned before, you have to be really careful with who you work with. Can I tell, can I tell you a little bit about our company and why we're charging the premium that we're charging? And that's when they do the company story, right? Because essentially they're saving their best ammunition to when it actually matters, to when it's going to land much better for the homeowner because the homeowner is actually associating the value of your company with the actual price and the service that they're paying for. And they're doing it right there, um, which which was weird to us, but that's that's what they're doing. So, yeah. Well, I love that. And and really, about 10 years ago, we had actually started to train to keep the company story for the end because people buy people, and that is your best stuff to close with. And, you know, even showing pictures of your installers and, you know, yep. who's going to be yep. at my house, all that type of stuff. And Absolutely. It was, it was interesting. We'd actually learned that from a guy by the name of Bill Gladwell, who is an NLP specialist. And he had said, you know, you really need to switch and do that company story before you're closed. So good stuff. So, you know, really, I, I loved hearing when you just kind of you did answer a question I had in, in that saying that, you know, you're looking at the information you collect from sales presentations across your client base. So right. someone is not just necessarily being compared to the top performer in their organization, but they're getting, you know, finding out who how top performers do it all over the place. And so I right. love that. So, so really the more clients you have, the better your product gets, you know, through machine learning, I would assume. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And now with, uh, with GPT-4, we're doing doing some pretty like uh, wild stuff with like understanding uh, language and understanding what's actually being talked about. It's, it's, it's actually kind of crazy. We recently launched a summarization tool where you could just like, it, it's like literally having like a human being taking notes about what actually happened in the conversation. It'll tell you like everything. It'll be like, oh, the conversation started here. We even had this uh, GPT-4, like it was able to, like there was a customer one time we saw one of our customers showed us, there was like a, a conversation where uh, they were they were selling a bath and the bath was like electric or motorized or something like that. And the customer said, I don't want that because, you know, like I had a family who like suffered from like, you know, had an accident with one of these things. Right. So this is like a very atypical objection. Right. And the thing like said it in the summer is like, oh, the customer expressed big concerns with the motorized bath because a family member had an accident. Just like automatically. I got to nowhere. 
and was really, really interesting. So, yeah. Well, so your company is just in a period of absolute rampant growth yeah. right now. Um, yeah. You recently said on our friend Jim Johnson's show that your growth is like 30% a month, and, and most yes. business owners are going to say, you know, that's just kind of insane. So <laughs> what, yeah. what have been your biggest challenges as a company in, in scaling up for something like that? Uh, yeah, great question. So, I mean, the way I see our – so. For and this is true for most business owners, right? Um, for, for not only for tech, uh, you know, and a lot of our customers will probably uh, sympathize with this. When you are getting started, right, and you're you're just trying to find what we call product market fit, you're trying to kind of make a uh, you're you're trying to go from zero to one. You don't exist in the world, and you're literally trying to just not die and exist. And I'm not going to figure out something new. Whether you're selling shingles in your market and you're trying to establish your brand as something that's going to last, you know, for longer than three years, which is the average time that the small businesses die. And you're trying to really make it happen. And that's when the period of absolute hustle and absolute strength and grit that you have to just do as an owner to just establish yourself, right? Because there's nobody, there's nobody with you, right? It's just yourself and your vision and your, and, and your, and, and whatever you're putting into it, right? Um, and then when, when you figure something out that it's working, when you start getting customers and you start, you know, people start referring, uh, you, you know, you see that you got something working, right? Uh, and then you start growing. Um, the challenge then becomes different. It's not you as an, as an owner with your will <laughs> to exist, right? It's, it's now about building processes and, and scaling, not even processes, but, but culture, right? Yeah. How, can you, how can you actually uh, cement and, and, and keep a, a really like high-level culture at your company uh, with your values, right? So that as you're scaling, you can keep the same kind of intensity and passion for your customers that you have when you got started, right? And how can you scale that as a team? So I would say that the biggest challenge for us, which will continue to be the biggest challenge, is how do we scale that, that absolute world-class culture? Um, and so last year when I saw that we had product market fit and we were like kind of like we, we had something going on, I started obsessing about how do we – how do we cement our, our cultural values and like literally write, write it down so that when people, we, we know who to hire, that we actually hire people, not even like, yes, we, we try to hire super talented people and everybody who works here is like insanely smart and super talented. We're always talking to super talented candidates, right? Uh, because we pay very well. <laughs> so the, the thing for us that makes a hire or not, it's, it's more about cultural compatibility. And we test for culture in our interviews and we, and we are really, really, really intense. And, 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 and conscious and methodical about who we want to bring into our company and who we, who we fire, honestly, like who, who we let go because they're, not, they're just not a good culture fit for us. And we have eight operating principles that, that we are very kind of passionate about, everybody on our team is. And so uh, to me, if we can just keep our culture uh, steady, I think that most of the challenges uh, you know, of scaling just kind of solve themselves if you bring in amazing people who are super high performing. You know, it's like if you're if you're Michael Jordan with the dream team and the Olympic team, if you have the right people with the right culture, it's like there's not much that can go wrong. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, culture, culture supreme. I'm obsessed about maintaining a world class culture. So what was that like for you, you know, to be able to make that change from focusing on product and staying alive and all that type of stuff to this focus on culture? I mean, it sounds like you're equally passionate about both. And so that probably helped. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, well, I, I didn't even know about culture like back when, you know, when I was like focused, I was like, I, I think I have this thing 
it's like back to the, the pirate genes, you know, like I, I think I have like this thing where I just get obsessed about whatever the challenge is. So the mm. challenge at the time was finding product market fit. Okay, we found product market fit. And then I knew that culture was going to be the next challenge. And the reason I knew that is I read a lot about these like amazing founders, uh, you know, Steve Jobs and Brian Chesky from Airbnb and Walt Disney. And they all say the same thing. It's like, really, when you're scaling, it's all about culture, like culture beats strategy and it beats processes, it beats everything. Uh, <laughs> if you just have an amazing culture. And, and the way that people can think of culture, like very kind of like as a, as a competitive advantage, if you're scaling a team, right, culture is the way that people make decisions when you're not in the room. Hmm. And you're not in the room most of the times if you're scaling a team. And most of the decisions that are being made about your business are not being made by you. Like 90% of the decisions, if you have a large team, right, are not being made by you. You can make high-level decisions and set the vision, but you're not making most of the decisions. So how do you allow, with very little managerial overhead, how do you allow people to make the right decisions at the right times, not being guided by rules and, and you know, kind of like, you know, bogged down by bureaucracy, but how do you how do you guide them based on principles and based on cultural values? And so... Um, I, I kind of knew that that was going to be the next challenge. So I kind of like read a lot about it. I became obsessed about it. And, and it's, it's not just like saying, but it's being very disciplined about it. Like if somebody's not a gold culture fit, you know, and you realize you have to let it meet, it's like, there's no compromise. There's no compromise with the culture ever. Right. And so, and that's how you, it's, it's more about a lot of people know that the, or, or pay lip service. So like, Oh, my culture, my culture, but then they're very undisciplined about how they keep, you know, how they keep it together. Um, yeah. So we just try to be really disciplined about that. Wow, that's some great insight there. Thank you. We didn't anticipate going there um, in this conversation, but that's some yeah. fantastic stuff. So thank you. Um, you know, you've, you've got this tiger by the tail. I'm kind of curious, what, what are some of your wildest dreams for the future in terms of, you know, how this technology might advance and grow or <laughs> cross over to other industries? I mean, you know, one of the things I'm thinking about is everyone complains about physicians and poor bedside manner. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, what if, what if they could use something like this? Oh, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, the, the really, I mean, we are going to be focused for a long time in the home improvement industry. This is our market and this is, this is our customers that we want to serve. And, and we don't want to be one of those companies that just is okay for many people. We want it to be absolutely amazing for yeah, just a you don't few people. Chasing yeah. every shiny thing. And no, no, we, we really want to, we want to earn the right to be able to expand our business. And the only way you do that is by building an absolutely amazing product that's well integrated into our you know, into the, into the solutions of our existing customers that fits their workflows, right? You know, medical, of course, there's medical sales, but, you know, they have different workflows. They have different sales processes. So if you're going to build a product that's really good for those processes, you have to really focus, right? And so we are completely focused on home improvement for now and for the next few years. Um, and, um, and so, like, what I, what I think are, like, some of the coolest things that we're, that we're talking about now is, as a product team is, like, you know, I mean, the, if we go, like, five years ahead, um, you know, the Apple just came out with their, with their, uh, AR glasses, uh, VR glasses. And I think, I think that the biggest disruption to the outside salesperson is actually going to come in the way of AR. So as somebody who works on AI, I, I can pretty much, I can, I can, I have a pretty strong intuition that the salesperson, the outside salesperson is not going to be replaced anytime soon. Uh, uh, it might be different for the call center and the people that sell, you know, on the phone because <laughs> that's already like brewing. But this person outside is like, AI is not very good at like gripping things, you know, and opening a door and shaking a hand and like sure. taking a picture and doing an inspection and getting on a roof. And so uh, that, 
you know, it's 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 funny how AI is like replacing all these white collar jobs, and then the blue collar jobs are like now on the yeah, road. absolutely. <laughs> AI can't grip things. Um, so so the outside sales. So so the biggest disruption I think is going to happen in the next five years is going to be AR. So I imagine a world where you're a, a salesperson, or, or you know, you you're selling metal roofs, and you go into a home, and you have. AR glasses that are super like comfortable for you to wear. It's like a new hardware that consumers are using and you can literally do your inspection with your glasses and you can take the measurements automatically and you can get feedback right oh, there wow. yeah. on your screen awesome. about what it is that you should say and how you should say it. So that's not for now, but that's, you know, that's in the, in the dream lab still. So, um, yeah. Well, I think we've all seen, uh, kind of going back on what you were just saying, you've probably seen on LinkedIn, this, company building this building they put this big billboard on the side of the building yeah let your ai finish this building yeah yeah so that's why i'm a big fan of ar uh for the industry because i think it's like one of the like ai is either going to replace a job or it's going to make the person doing that job bionic at doing that job it's just going to make them much better and enhance them right and that's why i think the best usage of technology is when it enhances the the, in, the natural capabilities of human beings and so i think that that, that that AR represents that, right? It's it's you are gonna be doing your job as you usually are. You're gonna do your best, you know, with your human skills, but then you're gonna have this technology that's gonna make you almost like a cyborg that's gonna yeah. make you super bionic at doing that job. So wow, good stuff. So what's the process for a company to get involved using Rilla Voice? Yeah, so uh, you go to rillavoice.com, that's R-I-L-L-A voice. Dot com and you click on the schedule a demo link and one of our uh, very uh, highly trained consultants will be able to walk you through a demo and we have trained all of them with AI so you tell us how they did <laughs> because we're tracking that all the time and uh, uh, and then you know we'll walk you through a demo typically our customers want to buy very quickly and once you want to become involved and once you want to sign up for Thrilla it's a pretty simple process of onboarding. Um, you know, it takes about an hour and 15 minutes to get started of setup time. So it's a pretty quick uh, turnaround time. Uh, we have a customer success team that will make sure that you guys are, are having a great uh, kind of experience. One of the things we've seen in the industry, which we want to kind of change a little bit, is that uh, technology products usually just like said, like, here you go. Right. And you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and, yep. Then, yep. and then all that. And then any time that you're implementing. Businesses are not buying technology. They're buying solutions to their problems, right? And so there's things outside of the technology that can always go wrong with implementation for through no, no fault of anybody's. It's just like things just go wrong. And so that's why we have a really dedicated customer success team to make sure that they can help you through implementation, help you, you know, connect your things properly, make sure that you're actually having the success. And so we just have a success team that just keeps working for with you for all the time that you're, you're with Rilla. So, but it takes about an hour and 15 minutes to get set up. Wow, love it, and, and I and I love what you just said. Companies don't buy technology; they buy solutions. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And the answers—that's good stuff. Well, this has been great. Um, we are close to wrapping up what we call the business end of things. Is there anything we haven't covered today that you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I just wanted to kind of briefly mention I've been on this, um, you know, evangelization of AI. So Rilla is, you know, part of this uh, growing movement. I just want to let everybody who's listening know um, there are market forces now that are making things like Rilla exist. So Rilla is an atypical company because we're like New York based and we're going after industries that are outside of New York and Silicon Valley are not, you know, Mm -hmm. we're not in the tech bubble per se. We're actually selling technology to industries outside of tech where it's very much needed. And and home improvement in particular, I just want to say to everybody, like, 
uh, right now at this point in time. Uh, and I know this sounds crazy, but home improvement will be at the forefront of AI adoption, uh, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> and and real is kind of proof of that. Um, uh, and what I'm saying by that is like AI is really new. It just, I mean, with the new, like GPT chat came out in October, 2022. So, and it's developing really fast. And typically what used to happen historically is that Silicon Valley, right? If you were a new technology, you would sell your technology to other Silicon Valley companies that would kind of like be the lab rats and test it and kind of be the early adopters before it got adopted in mass market. Sure. Same thing happens with CRM technologies. It came out in the 90s, tech companies adopted it, startups. And then it came out to mass market, home improvement. It started like in the mid 2000s, right? Like 10 years later. And we're still seeing like lack of CRM adoption today, like 15 years later. Um, with AI, it's actually going to be flipped. Technology, venture funding is down 90%. So technology companies are really suffering. Everybody's laying off people in technology. So venture capital, venture capitalists are looking for industries outside of tech to deploy AI and to deploy new technologies. And home improvement is at the top of the pecking order uh, because uh, of all the, you know, all the economic forces that we know, COVID, move people into homes, staying in their homes longer. Their appliances are breaking. They're noticing that their roofs are not as nice as they used to be. And so um, that, is, is making it a really attractive industries for venture capitalists, just like it is for private equity. And so AI is here. Everybody's interested in looking at home improvement like a hawk. And so companies like Rilla, we're just the beginning of the AI wave that's coming. Or, and that's here, frankly, for the home improvement industry. So I would just, I would just keep your ear close to the ground and, and kind of contend with the fact that you're going to have to be an early adopter, um, not, not a late adopter. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> love it. Love it. And, and we know a lot of our audience members are folks who are just kind of trying to figure out their place in this industry. So yeah. great advice as always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this has been great, Sebastian. Um, before we close out, I have to ask you if you're willing to participate in something we call our rapid fire questions. So Let's these are it. seven questions, maybe serious, maybe silly. Sebastian has no idea what we're going to ask him. So we are going to alternate asking you these questions. Um, Seth, you want to ask the first one? Sure, I'll get started. So question number one, I'm audibling because I'm more curious about this. Who are your favorite stand-up comedians? Oh, my God. Um, uh, there's so many. Dave Chappelle, uh, Bill Burr, uh, Kevin Hart, uh, Richard Pryor, uh, George Carlin. Uh, I could go on. <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the goats, yeah. Yeah, it's Monty Chappelle. Python's Flying Circus. Shout out to my British people. So Monty Python. Yeah, John um, Cleese. Yeah, there's just so many. Yeah. Okay, question number two. Um, what is a product that you have purchased recently that has been a game changer for you? Oh, my God. Uh, uh, two, uh, Superhuman. It's an email client that, uh, you know, a lot of startup founders use. It saves me like two hours in the day. It's like just a much better, faster uh, way to do email. And the second one is this thing called Magic Mind. Magic Mind's like a little startup <laughs> energy drink. I don't know what it has in it, but I drink it every day. And and uh, and we're growing thirty percent month over month. So, um, so something's working. So, <laughs> awesome. So I'm going to check out Superhuman Magic Mind. We actually um, trialed their product on our show several episodes ago. Uh, so we that's, awesome. yeah. that's, that's, that's that's groovy, man. I don't know what the long term effects are. If we're going to start getting like a third eye or something, but you know, in five years, but who cares? You know, it's working. Yeah, that's right. Good <laughs> shout out. To, shout out to Magic Mind. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Next question. What would you like to ultimately be remembered for? Wow. Wow. What a great question. Yeah. If, if I, if I was remembered, uh, by, 
the multiplier effect that the people around me created. So, um, you know, if, if, um, you know, like, um, like PayPal, everybody knows the PayPal mafia, you know, the culture that they created there, they went on to, you know, the, the people that worked at PayPal went on to found LinkedIn and YouTube and Yelp. And it's just like, and then the people at LinkedIn went on to found amazing companies as well. Uh, and Elon Musk came out of PayPal, so SpaceX and Tesla, and it all came from like that culture. If people, if I could do something like that and people could remember me, not even by my own, the fruits of my own labor, but by the labor of people who um, I got to influence that, that would be, that would be great. Wow, that's awesome. Good stuff. Very cool. Okay, next question. Um, you're trying to survive a zombie apocalypse. What one person do you definitely want on your team? What one person do I definitely want on my team if I am going to survive the zombie apocalypse? Huh. Um, I want... Who do I want? There's a, there's a sales rep of ours that works for like a company in Texas uh, and he has like ropes and guns and everything locked and loaded in his car. I would go with that, that guy. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him, <laughs> but he knows who he is. Uh, he's got, yeah, I, I can just, I immediately came into mind. He has like a truck and he has like, he has all sorts of things in that, in that truck. I don't know if he's like part of a circus or something, but he has a cage and he has a ladder and he has a rope and he has knives and guns. So I was like that guy. I'm, 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 I'm going to be, I'm just, yeah, that, that's my guy. That's my best friend. That, that just sounds like any roofer in Texas, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. My, my roofers in Texas, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. <laughs> right on. Next question. Would you rather be able to see 10 minutes into the future or 10 years into the future? Oh, 10 years. But yeah, one, yeah, 10 years. Awesome. Okay, next question. Would you rather be forced to sing along every time you hear a song or to dance every time dance. you hear a song? Dance. I'm, I'm Dominican, man. We we got that that like our booty moves on on its own. So, so I'm <laughs> Okay, Dominican. do we have a song queued up here? Oh, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last rapid fire question. Do you have any hidden talents? Uh, any hidden talents? I am insanely annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's hidden because you wouldn't tell from just meeting me one time. My mom knows, though. She knows. Your mom knows. I can't imagine. <laughs> it kind of comes with a territory with boundless energy and enthusiasm and passion, all that stuff, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah, the yeah. dark side. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, as my superpower. Good stuff. Well, this has been a real pleasure, Sebastian. Um, you and your technology are just incredible, and we look forward to watching your ongoing success and and the growth of Rilla Voice and everything to come in the future. So for folks who want to get in touch with you or to learn more about Rilla, um, how can they most easily do that? RillaVoice.com. That's R-I-L-L-A Voice.com. And click on the schedule a demo link. And if you want to learn more, RillaVoice.com. 
Very good. Well, thank you again, and thank you to our audience for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption with Sebastian Humanis of Rilla Voice. Um, look for his contact information also in our show notes. Um, please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We're always blessed with great guests, just like today. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Until the next time we're together, though, keep on disrupting, challenging the status quo, looking for better ways to do things. Don't forget, to to take the time to have a positive impact on everyone you encounter. Uh, make them smile. Um, encourage them. Simple yet powerful things we can all do to change the world. So, God bless. Take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off. Until the next episode of Construction Disruption. This podcast is produced by Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building products.